1: While the Steelers are going crazy in free agency, it is March Madness in college basketball. We're going to talk about the remarkable tournament win for the Pitt Panthers right here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Noah Hiles. We're out here on the road as we're getting ready to go from Dayton, Ohio to Greensboro, North Carolina. Lots to break down from this win, what it means for the program, who the next opponent is in Iowa Iowa State, and a look at the March Madness bracket. All that breaking down right here and more on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. I'm your host Chris Carter here joined by Noah Hiles. We're both your pit beat writers here for the Pittsburgh Post Gazette that you can get all, all of our content at post-gazette.com. If you're enjoying this show, we have daily content that comes out from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette on our podcasting platform, which you can get on any podcasting app, but especially on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this channel to get our Monday, Wednesday, Friday episodes of the North Shore Drive podcast as well as our daily content that comes out here from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Noah, you and I covered a banger on Tuesday night. It was a late tip, but man, was it worth it. I just want to—I just want to get your thoughts on the atmosphere that we were in in Dayton, Ohio, with all the pit fans and the crazy win with Jamarius Burton hitting a hitting a the, the shot that gave them the lead with nine point eight seconds left, and all the drama that went in between. Onions—that—that's
2: the way to sum it up. I mean, this is March Carter. That—that. That- that atmosphere, not just for the pit game, but the game prior between yeah. A&M Corpus Christi and uh, Southeast Missouri. Yeah. Southeast Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. Southeast Missouri. Um, that game went down to the wire and so did pits. And I mean, they, it, they weren't necessarily the prettiest of basketball games. Uh, NBA fans will say, Oh, you know, there was, there was a lot of sloppy player, whatever. But th- those two contests are a perfect microcosm of everything. That's great about March madness. It's, Two teams that probably won't win it all or even, you know, go past on on their best day, go past maybe the Sweet 16. But they're playing for they're playing like it's their national championship. And they're they're playing on a national stage where there are no other college basketball games being played in that tournament that day. They're standalone games. And man, just just a ton of fun, uh, tons of pit fans, electric atmosphere. And it all lived up or maybe even exceeded the hype.
1: As Jeff Capel said after the game, it wasn't pretty. But it was beautiful. And I thought that was the best way to describe it because it was dramatic. It was passionate. I think what's truly impressive about this win, not just that Fetty Fede Federico didn't play and they already were missing John Hughley, who also entered the transfer portal the morning of the game. They were also missing Will Jeffers, the Dior Johnson never even played this year. So that's four scholarship players there without in this game. Guillermo Diaz Graham makes his first start of NCAA tournament history. He did make a start against BCU early in the season, but even still, this putting him in there against a first team all sec forward like tolu smith who had the best shooting for field goal percentage of the sec coming into the game with a tall task and he stood tall he made a block he made a block in the end but the defensive adjustments and I gotta even say, even outside of the defense, just how the offense worked. This was a differently paced game that Pitt had played all season. Most of Pitt's win were high shooting, high high speed. You know, get to get the scoring up and run an efficient offense, and that's what carried them to get, carried them to wins with decent defense in in, in in a lot of their earlier games. But this game was a slugfest of defensive play. The defense locked in its best performance, I think, maybe even of the season. I know Mississippi State's not a great shooting team, but they were able to take away the uh, take take away a lot of things from. Mississippi State when they were trying to go inside, and that's with a freshman who's seven foot tall and probably lighter, light lighter than either of us. Uh, I, I think it's just it's, it's crazy to think this, but I think a lot of uh, a lot of praise is deserved to go to Jeff Capel, his coaching staff, and how this team adapted yet again in a big game.
2: Yeah, I mean they had they had an excellent game plan. I mean they they uh, you always want to attack your opponent where they're weakest, but yeah. for Pitt that was the only option. It, it wasn't. We can play however we want, and as long as we execute, we'll win. It was, we have to win this game a certain way, and Pitt found a way to do that. It it dared Mississippi State to win the game from the outside, and early on, it it looked like the Bulldogs were going to do that. They made four four of their first five shots from three, but they cooled off, including a wide-open look at the final buzzer. You know, I mean— how many teams have a starting guard who knocks that down nine times out of 10 in that scenario. Nice. So yeah. yeah, that that's the strategy though. They want They dared them. They said, you're not going to beat us inside. They knew they were going to lose the battle on the glass. They did their best to, to limit the second chance opportunities. And I, I thought Pitt fought tremendously on the boards in the second half. And while the numbers don't necessarily reflect it, just the deflections and, and, and just the scrappiness, you saw guys diving all over the floor, you have to commend that, and and I think that that was the message that was portrayed. It was look, it's 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 not going to be a pretty one. You're we're gonna have to we're gonna have to dig deep here, and but at the same time, this is this was a matchup that suited Pitt well. I think if you look, uh, pretty much every team it played this season that ran a slower pace, Pitt did pretty well against. So you can point to Virginia, you can point to Northwestern, um, and those are two of their better wins. So I, I think that this kind of Lined up well for the Panthers. All they had to do was go out and execute. And every single guy who played, essentially from aside from uh Jorge, Diaz Graham, who only played four minutes, but the six main players who logged fifteen plus minutes all had a key play in this victory. It was a total team effort.
1: I agree with that. You know, from Jamarius Burton's game winner to Nelly Cummings having several he led the team with fifteen points yeah. in, in the game. Blake Hinson Two logo three pointers that were just completely ridiculous, especially the second one. is the timing of it has I just I you see that Greg Elliott had some really big plays. Crazy enough, Greg Elliott. I just I I was always just like, man, just let that guy shoot three pointers. He did hit two, but he also had thirteen points to go along go along with it. Jamarius Burton being on the bench. For most of the second half, as he got four fouls early, and then they come up, come off, and make come off the bench and make that play at the end there to win the game. He only had six points, but man, uh, did he come up still huge for his team. I, I just think it again goes to the, to to all the things that we've been saying about this year's team, Pit Panthers. They they are not the best Pit team that we've seen in the last twenty years or anything like that, but they are, I think, a legendary team in the history of the program for what they've done. And getting back to the images that we saw last night and just the environment that we were in. The feeling that 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 I got Noah when we were sitting there courtside. You're typing your game story. And I'm just looking around and I'm seeing Coach Milan Brown just dapping up Blake Hinton while Blake Hinton's getting ready to talk to Bill Hillgrove. Seeing Greg Elliott just run run through all the fans. Heather like standing in the tunnel, hug, hugging every coach, every player who comes through it. And then if you guys were watching the broadcast, you got to go see and see her hug with Greg Elliott where like they lift each other up. It was just. Amazing. And if you're a Pitt fan, to me, this win is as big as any win that I think that they've had. This felt like a curse was lifted on the program after all the struggles they've gone since Jamie Dixon left.
2: Yeah, it's it's kind of Pitt's um Queto game in a way.
1: I Ooh, think I like that I like where
2: that. you know it, it wasn't as big because it wasn't a 20 year drought and it yeah. wasn't at home, but it might as well have been at home. I mean that that sound that building was as loud as the Peterson Event Center gets, uh, in the, in the big ACC contest mm-hmm. this year. Um, especially the, the, the noise level when Blake Henson hit that three with three Oh six left. I mean, the, the, the building erupted and same for the Diaz Grand block. And, and yeah, I think that that's, uh, kind of what this is where, yes, it's, it's not the best moment in pit history, but this is one that they'll look back at years from now. Cause it was, a it was a classic man. It was, it was a tight finish and, it, it, it means so much because it's the first NCAA tournament win, I think, since 2014. Yes, it's the it first is. time they played in the dance since 2016. And it feels like this group finally is out of Jamie Dixon's shadow now, That this program, I should say. And that's that's not easy to do when when you let a legendary coach leave, the best coach probably in program history, uh, and you replace him with one of the worst coaches in program history who kind of destroys everything. And you bring in a guy like Jeff Capel who had a vision and had the ability, but it just wasn't working out. And fans start to wonder, is this ever going to turn around? And this group made that happen. There, there's there's no more talk of all oh, this, this program can't do whatever without Jamie Dixon or, you know, we don't have to hear about the Big East days anymore. And those days were special. Don't get me wrong. And this team would not have a chance if it were to play some of those yeah. Pitt Big East teams with Dewan Blair and Sam Young or Brandon Knight and Julius Page and all those guys. But this team wrote its own chapter. This was the biggest win for Pitt since it moved to the ACC.
1: I'd agree with that entirely. But we got to talk about what they got to do next because even though they, they're, they're celebrating, they got to get ready for Iowa State. Who, are, who is Iowa State. We'll go over that in just a little bit and how Pitt might match up with them right here in the North Shore Drive podcast. But first, before we do any of that, we got to talk about our great sponsors at Yinzers and the Berg, the number one place for you to go to get your Pittsburgh sports merchandise. Hey, maybe you're feeling Pitt right now after that big win. Best place to go get some Pitt merchandise as well as Steelers, Pirates, Penguins, anything Pittsburgh sports is Yinzers and the Berg. They have two stores that you can visit in the Strip District or if you can't get to the Strip District, go to their online website YinzersPGH.com. At YinzersPGH.com, Yinzers and the Berg has has Pittsburgh sports merchandise, apparel, accessories, and everything you could want. And it's updating every single week on the website so that you can see all the gear that they have and you can support your favorite Pittsburgh sports team. So go to Yinzers of the Berg right now. That's Yinzers of the Berg with two stores in the strip district and their website, yinzerspgh.com. That's yinzerspgh.com for all your Pittsburgh sports apparel. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Noah Hiles. We are your pit beat writers. We're doing a pit, a pit show. And yes, we, we, will, we will talk Steelers' free agency at some point uh, th- th- this week with all the moves they've made bringing back Larry Hogan, Joby, bringing back DeMonte Casey, signing Patrick Peterson, uh, Nate Herbing, and now Cole Holcomb, the linebacker to watch. There's lots of moves the Steelers have made, but pit. Now faces a Friday 310 tip-off against Iowa State, a sixth seed from the Big 12. And Noah, you talked about how Pitt has played well against teams that have played at a slower pace this year. And I told you this in the car drive over here. I thought they could take Mississippi State. I think that that Iowa State is another matchup just like that. If you go look at Iowa State, they were ninth in the big in the Big 12 as far as uh, as far as points scored per game with 68.5. <laughs> or 68.4 their field goal percentage was was eighth with 45 percent their three-point percentage was uh was seventh at 33.9 they were not a high efficient team but where they are good defense they were the number one defense in the in the in the big 12 with 62.8 points per game um, they're a team that that i think lives with more guard play than necessarily as much as mississippi state but I think that this is a team that uh, it's not a walkover. Pitt's not going to walk in and just, you know, get an easy win. It's going to be another scrap. But I think this is another team that Pitt matches up well with. And we've seen these Panthers in tight moments respond well to challenges. And I think that's where the Panthers may have an advantage is their guys have lived on the edge all season long.
2: Yeah. And I think it's also worth pointing out, I mean, this Iowa State team, was similar to Pitt in the sense it did not finish its regular season strong. It lost four Great. of its last five. It won one game, I believe, in the Big 12 tournament, but then got bounced by Kansas, uh, which, I mean, who can, we can't really blame we them for losing to Kansas. About- <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, who doesn't lose to Kansas, right? Uh, but, yeah, I mean, th- this is a team that's not playing its best basketball right now. And you even point to its strength, like scoring defense. That's kind of a subjective stat when you consider pace of play. You know, a mm-hmm. lot a lot of Big Twelve teams they allow more points because they play a lot faster. There's a lot more possessions. Thus, each team on the court, both teams on the court, have more chances to chuck up some shots. You know, teams like Baylor or Kansas or Kansas State. You know, they're they're playing a different style of basketball than Iowa State. And and the the style of basketball that the Cyclones play, as we've said, it's it's conducive to what Pitt does well. It, it allows for Pitt to kind of play its game and, 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 and take a little pressure off of what it's struggling with. Still, I think, is defense. I mean, you can point to, you know, Pitt holding a team under 60, but let's look at the team that held under 60. Let's look yeah. at some of the looks they missed. Let's look at what they had to offer as far as scoring goes and all of that. And, and this is something similar where you're not playing an elite scoring guard. You're, there's no Isaiah Wong on Iowa State. There's no Kyle Filipowski on, on, on Iowa State. Uh, there's, it's just a well-rounded team that they're going to kind of look to different guys at different times and different spots, but I don't think it's super hard to defend and it's going to come down to Pitt getting open looks from the outside. In my opinion, and if you if can replicate what it did in the first half, the Panthers have a great shot of winning. They can't allow the perimeter to be taken away from them mid game or their entire game like we saw in the second half there. So it's, but it is a favorable matchup. I also think that if you just look. Teams who get out of Dayton with a win typically end up having a pretty fun march. I think Mm -hmm. uh, 2019 is the only year a team from the first four in Dayton since this part of the tournament was added didn't win at least one game in the field. Uh, So most of these teams who who make it, they have a really good shot at going to at least the round of 32. And I think Pitt's probably the best out of the 411 seeds here. Uh, so why not the Panthers? Who knows?
1: I, I think it's a good question. Why not the Panthers? And to go back to you know your point about the scoring, the the scoring totals on defense not being necessarily the answer, uh, or not necessarily being the tell all of how good a, a defense is. Iowa State's allowed field goal percentage is forty two point two. Pitts forty two point four very similar there right. as far as as far as the, the the shots they've allowed up uh looking on Ken Palm uh they're also very similar in three-point percentages allowed on, on defense the the, the Panthers 33.2 percent allowed the uh, the cyclones 33.8 percent allowed on three-point percentages so uh, Noah I think that you know you can expect Iowa State is going to look at the tape that Pitt has been up against, and you and I pointed this out. Virginia Tech it, you know, exposed Pitt for being a team that if you press them on, 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 the, on the outside, it's, it's harder for them to, to get their rhythm going if they have to focus on driving and, and attacking the inside if you take away the three-point line. Mississippi State was doing that in the second half. Pitt went from making eight threes in the first half to just one in the second. I'll be intrigued though, if because this is a different build like team, like you said. There's no, you know, they don't have they don't have a big like Tolu Smith they, that 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 they can kind of balance themselves with there. I'll be intrigued to see can the Cyclones keep up the pace if they want to attack Pitt. I mean, you know, there were points where Blake Henson and Greg Elliott were getting the ball at the logo and they were getting pressed by by Mississippi State. Yeah. I'll be very intrigued to see if Iowa State follows that plan of attack and how long they could keep it up if they went with it for for a long time.
2: Yeah, I think it comes down to ball movement there, Carter. I mean, if yeah. you look, the second half, Pitt was dribbling the air out of the basketball a lot of they these work. possessions. And I get that that comes with pressure, right? When it's, it's harder to move the ball around the perimeter or even anywhere near the timeline when you have a defender up in your face. But they've got to find a way to create space and just move around and, and get those looks. Because in the first half, when those threes were falling, yeah, the ball was flying around. If you look the second half, I haven't had a chance to go back and watch the game yet. We're running on about three hours sleep and we're about to drive from Dayton to Greensboro here as soon as this recording ends. Uh, But when we go back and watch, I'll be counting how many possessions did just whoever took the ball up the floor, stand at the top of the key dribbling until there are 10 seconds left in the shot clock. I feel like that was a very common thing from uh, Nike Sabandi and Nellie Cummings. And while, Sometimes that worked, you know, where they were able to create isolation, find a lane, get to the hoop and make a nifty move at the basket to either draw a foul or finish with the, with the score. That's not how you want to win. If you're pinned. Right. that's not, that's not how your offense is built. Maybe if it's Burton, but Burton doesn't stand at the top of the key when he does that either. He, yeah, he, he dribbles a couple times and he finds his path. And if it's backing yeah. someone down, that's one thing. Or if it's rolling off a screen, that's another thing, but he, you can't just stand there and, and, and kill clock against a team like this, unless you're up by a lot of points, which I don't think either team will be, I expect this to be, you know, a game where there are a lot of lead changes again, where, you know, the winning team's biggest lead might be less than 10 points. Um, and the losing team's biggest lead will probably be around that same margin as well. uh, but when you're playing in a game like that, you just got to play your game. You can't when you slow down your pace, you're playing into what your opposition wants you to do if you're pit, and you can't let that happen. You got to move the ball, got to find a way to get uh, bodies off bodies, and 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 keep things flowing.
1: No, I agree, and I think that was something that you and I were kind of just talking about. Like they're not shooting threes, they're not playing their style of ball. That was worrisome in the second half, but they pulled it out. And I think that's also why the win over Mississippi State. I thought was even more special was because Mississippi State got Pitt to go to play their style of ball and the Pitt still won. Mm -hmm. I don't think Pitt should try to live on that on, no. on on that on that style though they need to be able to dictate the pace of the game but there's a lot of teams in march madness march madness has, has begun the, the, the playing round is the tournament everyone's kind of made that made that clear that 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 is that is the ncaa tournament people say that oh playing games aren't the actual ncaa tournament yes it is and now pitt's going to be playing in the round of 64 here uh and they they tip off they tip off friday but no and i want to go over our brackets and go over the different regions, maybe some dark horses, some some players. We'll give you our final fours and our and our picks here, who's gonna win it all. We'll do all that right here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Chris Carter, Noah Hiles, stick with us. We'll be right back. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. I'm Chris Carter. He's Noah Hiles of the Pit Beat. Noah, let's take a step back from Pitt for a second. Let's look at March Madness. And let's I would love to. The craziness that is going, that is always this year. All right, so you have all your one seed. we have the, the whole seeds are played out. There's still a couple you know a couple more playing games to determine you know some of the last people that make it in there. But let's talk about some of the picks that I think people are going to be most impressed by. Give me some of your top round one upsets that you think are good picks for people who are filling out their brackets right now.
2: All right. Uh, so, and, and I want to send a disclaimer. Um, the first bracket I filled out was in 2005. I got the entire Final Four right. I have you not done well since. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have won one in college, but like I, I'm normally always wrong. So, you know, this is a good time to fade me. But um, just looking at it, some first round upsets that I could see happening. Uh, the first one that comes to mind to me is Kent State over Indiana. I, mm-hmm. I really, really like uh, Kent State's backcourt. They have the MVP of the Max and Carey. Pittsburghers might remember him from his time at Duquesne. Uh, really talented guy. And in veteran backcourts, they, they win in March. And just looking at the the, the numbers there, the spread, I, the fact that the Hoosiers, who have been a really, really good team, they also have a local guy uh, running their offense with Jalen Hood-Shafino, uh, freshman. Uh, of the year, I believe in the Big Ten, but I, I just think that 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 veteran presence the Golden Flashes have at the at the guard will make things close. I I, I could see that being one, and I always kind of like betting against the Big Ten in the tournament it's, conference really just doesn't do well. Um, another one that I like a, a scrappy one uh, is another. Is, this is another thirteen over a four, and that's Iona over UConn. Mm. I just, I, I love how Iona's analytics look and everything. And UConn, I just, I just haven't been impressed with UConn this year. I, I thought they were a really good team in the beginning of the season, but this is a team that kind of, um, I don't know, it, it, it didn't really do much in Big East play to where I would put it in the same conversation as a, as a Xavier or a Marquette. And, and that's, you know, kind of crazy for me to say, considering I think Marquette's a two and what Xavier's a three, but, and UConn's not that far behind at a four, but I don't know. I just, nothing really impresses me with that UConn group. So those would be two major upsets. Uh, if you're looking for a team that could go uh, far, uh, that's not a one, two, three, or four, uh, my pick would be Memphis. I just well, think I, ne- I like
1: Memphis, Memphis
2: is super talented. I, I again, Really, really great guards. Uh, Kendrick Davis, I believe, is their star player's name. Um, and their their team that was a little banged up this year, but they've been playing some great basketball recently. They they lost it on the buzzer in their regular season finale to Houston, and then they they won pretty convincingly over Houston in the AC, AAC championship. And granted, that was out. That was when Saucer was out, so the the Cougars didn't have their best player, and I really don't think they were they, they were getting a one seed regardless, so that game didn't mean as much to them. But still, I, I love how Memphis matches up against Purdue in the second round. Um, you know, I, I think it'll have a tough time against Duke if Duke were to meet up with it in the Sweet 16. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that the Tigers could go on a little bit of a run there. Um, or the team that the Tigers are playing. I think the best first-round matchup in this field. Is that eight nine game against uh, FAU, a thirty plus win team who, who can shoot the lights out in any gym it plays in? So that'll be a fun game, and I, I think the winner of that one will take down Purdue, and that'll be the first one seed to fall. So those are those are some of my upsets. What about you, Chris? I, I mean, I, and again, I didn't pick all of those, but those are ones I have my eye on. Did do you have any other sleepers that you have your eye on?
1: My five, my rule is every year I got to pick a five twelve. I got to pick a five twelve upset. It's a good rule. VCU over St. Mary's. I saw St. Mary's get bounced at the end of the WCC tournament. I think that VCU's defense could make this an interesting. Both tef- defensive metrics seem to be, look good. I just really felt, felt felt the way that St. Mary's ended their season. VCU could come in there and, and get and get a and get a big win there. Um, I got. I got an, I got some some easier ones. I have USC taking out Michigan State ten over seven. I have Penn State getting in, getting into the second round as, mm-hmm. as well. But I'm right with you. I think Memphis. I think that they they can handle Florida Atlantic, and I think they match up very well with Purdue. I think that that would set, set up a good stage because I also think Duke's going to ride a hot hand go into there, and I think it's going to be a good game. But I'm right with you. Duke is too talented right now. I think that they have the bigs that would mess kind of Memphis up because they also have the guards that can kind of run with Memphis in that situation. I also have Kentucky as a six-seed meeting up with Duke, and I believe in the Elite Eight. Uh, so I, they're, they're another team that I have, have my on. I, I try to avoid I, – I go chalk with certain situations, yeah. but I try to avoid chalk where I can as far or, as I mean, you know, the, the easy picks.
2: And those five-sixes, like, it's, it's a different thing when the five-sixes are Duke and Kentucky. You know, yeah, like when, you, when you have Cal Perry and, and all those five stars or transfers or whatever. I mean, they set, still have Shigwe. He's the player of the year last year. And you have Duke, who's red hot. And just to add a little note there, uh, as far as first round matchups go, poor Oral Roberts, a team that I was, I thought for sure they would be a team that would once again make a deep run. Uh, they have so much talent. Um, yeah, but they a, just drew a
1: horrible first yeah, round matchup against Duke. The worst five-seed situation you could be right. in Duke.
2: If the season went on another two weeks, Duke would have probably been a three-seed. I, I mean, yeah. that's just how well the Blue Devils are playing. And, and listen, like, crazier things have happened. We've seen conference tournament champions who, who look to be world beaters. I mean, a lot of people had Kentucky winning it all in their bracket last year, and, and it got bounced in the first round by St. Peter's. So, right. I mean, it could happen. I just... Oral Roberts was a team pretty much, like, the last month and a half, I was like, I don't care where they're put. I'm picking them in the first round. And then I saw them place with Duke, and I was like, yeah,
1: I'm, I'm not picking them to win in the first no. round.
2: So, yeah, just wanted to add that in there.
1: No, I, I, I get that. I get that entirely. Um, I Okay, this is going to sound crazy, but one of the teams I think that people should keep an eye on is Pitt. I yeah. think if they ride a hot hand, they can beat Iowa State, uh, and they get, they get to Xavier – I think they could. They, I think it would take. They would take a good shooting performance. But I think if Pitt can survive Iowa State's defense and 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 kind of play the way that they have been, I think they would be due for a really good shooting performance. And if that came against Xavier, that would be an amazing win, and that would get them to the Sweet Sixteen. I'm not guaranteeing it, but it's something I have my eye on. Just the way that they play, it's something that, that we were saying all year. I felt like, man, if this team could get to the dance and they could shoot well, they can go on a hot streak from from shooting well. I think that they could be a problem for almost anybody. I said it all year long. They can pit can lose to anybody, and we saw that with Vanderbilt, Notre Dame, and some of the other losses they they had this year. But I feel like they can also beat almost anyone out there as long as they come with their shooting and they play their style of ball. But can they? That'll be something to find out. All right. Let's go to our final four here. And I have to admit this is where I kinda went. I did go a little bit of. Let's do
2: Elite Eight here. then. Let's do Elite Eight and work
1: our oh, way let's in. Let's do an Elite Eight. Yeah. All right. Give me your Elite Eight teams and who you got winning.
2: All right, so my Elite Eight, I have in the South region, which is the top left of the bracket, for those who still print it out like I like to do. I just haven't had a chance to do it. I have Arizona over Virginia. I love the matchup for Virginia against uh, Alabama's young backcourt in the Sweet 16, so I have uh, the Cavaliers winning that one, but I like Arizona. They're playing really good basketball right now, so they will advance to the Final Four, where they will play Duke, who I have beating Kansas State in the East region final. So Duke, Kansas State, uh, Arizona, Virginia are half of my Elite Eight. And then my other half of the Elite Eight, uh, a, a nice Lone Star State showdown, Houston against Texas. I think that will be one of the best games of the tournament if it does take place because, I mean, you got Houston trying to fight for the opportunity to play a Final Four in its home city. And a Texas team that's kind of had a really special run after its head coach was, was let go for doing some pretty bad things. Uh, The way it's rallied and continued to play well has been a fantastic story in college basketball. And it's super talented Marcus Carr, pit fans might remember that name. One of the best players on uh, that longhorn squad, but I got, I got the Cougars winning that one to get to the final four. And then my uh, final um, in the West region is Kansas over Gonzaga. So Mm-hmm. I just, I, I really like the get Jayhawks. I think that, you know, Gonzaga is always a solid pick in March, uh, especially when they have guys like Drew Timmy who have seemingly been playing for Gonzaga since I was, you know, in elementary school, it feels like. Uh, but overall, I think the Jayhawks are loaded. I, I have high expectations for them. So to recap my Elite Eight, I have uh, Arizona over Virginia, Duke over Kansas State, Kansas over Gonzaga, and Houston over Texas to form my final four. What about you, Chris?
1: I got – we're similar in our bracket we're in a lot of places. I also have Virginia beating Alabama, but I have Baylor beating Virginia in the yeah. Elite I think – I like the way that they play. I think Baylor-Arizona, if that matchup can happen at 2-3 seed – That would be two, fun. Six, 16, I'm I I will I will, we, we need to find wherever we need to watch in Greensboro and just well that will be out of that Greenville. won't be in Greensboro yeah. <laughs> we, we have to find wherever we're at we we will just need to be you know post up and watch because I can't wait uh, to 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 see a game like that but then Virginia and Baylor I have Baylor coming out on top but. Tony Bennett, man, I love the way that he coaches. I know it's ugly basketball; and people hate watching it, but man, I am impressed by the way that Virginia sticks to their plan. Uh, a little bit of old school biggies basketball in me, just the way that they play. On the other side, we have the same exact thing. I have Houston and Texas. I have Houston winning that winning that game there. Um, going down to the East, I have Duke versus Kentucky in the Elite Eight. I think yep. that I think I think that Duke is, is going to be strong. I have them winning just like you do. Uh, and then I have Kansas versus UCLA. I, I like Gonzaga to get to the Sweet 16 but I think the Bruins would would do well against them but I think Kansas though they're one of my top dogs in this tournament so here we are Final Four well hang on I
2: gotta say that that UCLA Gonzaga game that's a rematch one of the best games in tournament history 2021 the Jalen Suggs half court buzzer beater in overtime Mm -hmm. classic
1: That 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 was a great one and again, I think it'll be—I think it'll be crazy. But that's also why I think UCLA is going to be ready this time around. And those uh, li-
2: both of those teams have guys still on the. Sorry, I'm college basketball geeking out right now. I love March Madness. Let's talk Final Four. Sorry, who
1: doesn't love March yeah, Madness? Yeah, right, right. Best yeah tournament in sports. Uh, I, I've always—I've always been enamored by it. And even when, and the beautiful thing is that you don't have to like in the NFL. I'm out here breaking down which stats here and then you know it, throw all that away. You don't necessarily need the stats if you want to be junkies like us. You can just watch and just enjoy is a casual fan, and it's one of the most awesome things yep. there. And again, I think it's awesome that Pitt's part of the dance uh, this year to, to kind of be part of this atmosphere. Jeff Cable even talked about how he missed it and everything. Uh, you know, so a, a lot of emotion there. But let's go to our Final Fours. I got Duke beating Baylor and Kansas beating Houston to make the championship game. What do you got?
2: We've been spending too much time together.
1: I also have Duke and Kansas <laughs> in the final.
2: Uh, <laughs> it's like all we do is travel and talk sports together, Carter. What the hell? Uh, but no, yeah, I, I just love I love how the Blue Devils have been playing. I think that that what's that the name of that region the the South region? I think is very weak. Oh, um, yeah. I, I mean Alabama is super talented, but it's just if they could make it to the Final Four after all the off court stuff that's taking place, I'll, I'll be pretty surprised. Um, and, and if you just look at the coaches, they got to go against to win that region. You got Bob Huggins maybe in the second round and then Tony Bennett in the sweet 16. And then, you know, coach drew at, at Baylor or, uh, you know, Arizona is just a really good team, whatever. I, I just, I, it's not necessarily talent, but it's just going to be a messy region there. I could see that being the surprise one. Duke is the hottest team in basketball. So yeah, those are those are two interesting regions there. But yeah, I, I think that Duke and Kansas are probably the, the best two teams right now in the country.
1: All right, then for all the marbles, who you have winning it all, and what's your predictor's tie-breaker score? I have, I'm going to keep my hands here so you can't see. You can see I'm not changing anything. I have my picks logged in here. We have a post-gazette uh, pool that we, that, that we put together here. I'm going to leave my hands up. Who do you have winning and what is your final score?
2: For the first time, since 2007, we will have a back-to-back NCAA tournament champion. Rock Chalk Jayhawk, baby. I got the I got Kansas winning it all once again. 77-70 is my final score. Bill Self will assert himself as one of the greatest to ever stand on a college basketball sideline. And uh, just an absolute dynasty being formed there. In, where are they at? Topeka? I don't know where Kansas is. I think this is lo- located. I just watch them on TV. But nonetheless, I got
1: the Jayhawks. What about you, Carter? What's I'm, I'm assuming you picked Kansas as well. I picked Kansas as well. Well, yeah. I have it going down to the wire. I got 82 80. Oh, dude! I think it's—I think it's going to come down to another last-second shot where where they win at the buzzer. It's going to be another dramatic finish. I just—I love, like you said, I love March Madness, man. I'm here for all the drama, and we're here for all the coverage here on March Madness. We're in Dayton right now. Like I said, we're about to pick up. I gotta pack up all my podcasting equipment here, (laughs) throw it in a bag, and throw it in the the rental, and we are driving to Greensboro where you can get all of our coverage of Pitt taking on Iowa State for a three ten tip in Greensboro, North Carolina. We're headed there. Catch all of our content at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette at post-gazette.com. Also, check out this show, the North Shore Drive podcast, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right here on your favorite podcasting app and on the U- on and on YouTube. But if you want all of our Pittsburgh Post-Gazette content, you can also get it in the same places. It's coming out all the time. We'll have a Pit mailbag coming out soon as well to kind of address any questions that you guys have on Pit basketball and Pitt Spring Football, which is started up. Abby Schnabel's been covering that for us while we've been on, on the road. A lot of great content coming your way, and we'll also We'll have more Steelers talk with their free agency moves at the end of the week. Stay tuned right here for more at the the North Shore Drive Podcast and the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We'll see you again very soon. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive Podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the
0: description.